0: Business Line Podcast. and am Nivedita Companies use advertising to make the public aware of their products and services in the hope that it will increase sales. Making advertisements is a complex and an expensive project. So, it's all great if we know that it will make an impact. The problem here comes in, how do we know it? How do we know it for sure? Traditionally, companies and advertising agencies take surveys, various kinds of surveys to understand that. But now, they are exploring several different ways to find out what the consumer is actually thinking. They are slowly taking up the use of neuroscience. This is called Neuromarketing. In this, one measures psychological and neural signals to understand the consumer's motivations, their preferences, and their decisions. And this can help brands make informed choices and decisions. This is not a new phenomenon in the world, but it's now gaining traction in India. To know more about this, I spoke to Sunila Benjamin, who's a director at NIQ Basis. NIQ was formerly called Nielsen IQ. Sunila, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Nivedita so your company uses biometrics to understand and learn how consumers react and how they react to a particular ad this supposed to help companies make an informed decision so you use something called system one technique to measure the consumer brainwave to understand their behavior can you tell us more about this process and what exactly you do
1: Certainly. So before that, just to introduce for your uh, listeners, just to introduce our company, we are Nielsen IQ or NIQ as we are now called, as you introduced us. I work at NIQ Basis and within that we have a business called Neuro. So it is through our neuroscience practice that we help our clients measure brand communication or copy as it's called, packaging or products, etc. to understand what the potential is, and is there any scope for optimization. Now, as you said, you know, we do deploy System 1 techniques. So to start off, first off, I'd like to uh, you know, demystify what is this System 1 and System 2. Some of your listeners would know about it, some may not. So Daniel Kahneman is an Israeli-American author, psychologist, and economist. In fact, he won the Nobel Prize for his work in economics. And what his work was, is that he understood that in our brain, there are two systems that are at play. There is a system one and a system two. Now, the system one is described as being slow. It's described as being thoughtful, logical, taking its own time. And this is how we understood human beings to be, that when you are making a decision, you collect all the information, you logically piece it together, you take the time and you make a decision. But what his work found out is that while there is a space for system two related decisions in human beings daily life, a lot of our decision making actually happens in system one. Now, system one is the complete opposite in description to system two. It is quick. It is automatic. It is uh, led by emotion and uh, it's much faster than system one. What he observed was that a lot of our decision making, including those related to purchasing things, brands, you know, product benefits, et cetera, all of this is processed and decided on through system one. And so naturally, given its weightage on consumer economics and uh, decision making, there is a role for market research to play in system one. And that's where we are. But when we talk of system one, there are different applications. So there are those such as you know, biometrics, which is Measuring facial muscles, minute movement of facial muscles to understand the emotion behind what the consumer is feeling. There there are techniques like skin conductance, pupillometry, implicit response time. These are system one techniques and what differentiates them from the standard system two methods of testing is in system two, we ask questions through focus group discussions or through surveys. But in system one, we don't ask any questions. We instead measure things like facial coding, skin conductance, et cetera. We use something called EEG and that's electroencephalogram, which uh, helps measure brain waves of the consumer. So when we show the consumer say an ad, we don't ask any questions. We measure the brain's response directly using EEG and there we are able to help understand, uh, get a holistic view of the consumer uh, where because we know that when you ask consumers there are something she will say but there are something she can't say because she doesn't have the vocabulary or she doesn't want to talk about those things. So system one helps tap into those with the use of EEG.
0: So what exactly can I expect if I'm a brand and I'm coming to you with a product, How will you design a program for me? Uh, Let's
1: say that you are a brand who has an ad which is ready for uh, launch. And you want to understand what is the consumer's response to this ad. And, you know, there is a space in which we ourselves and other companies, uh, there is an established practice of using surveys when it comes to ad testing. But when you come to neuroscience, uh, we will f- You will come to us and say that the ad is ready, but I'd like to just check its potential. Is it a good ad? You know, what, what do consumers think about it? So first off, uh, the program that we design is to use something called Ad Optimizer that's specific to Nielsen basis neuro. And what we do is to uh, recruit respondents relevant to your target group. And then we bring them to where we do the neuro testing. So we set it up uh, and then we show them the ad And without asking any questions, like I said, we measure the brain's response while they watch the ad, and then we decode those responses, and then we give you the results. But I'd like to talk here, Navarita, on what the toolkit is that we would use, say, for an ad test. So we use a combination, like I mentioned, of EEG, electroencephalogram. You have ECG for the heart, EEG for brain waves. You have the EEG cap. It sits on the respondent's scalp. Uh, There are 32 sensors. It covers all parts of the brain, ensuring full brain coverage. And as the person is watching the ad, we measure her brain's response. Oh, second one, she likes it. Second two, she doesn't like it and so on. But in addition to that, we also track the eye gaze. So this combination of EEG and eye tracking is a potent one because it tells you where the eyes are looking when she's watching the ad but it also tells you whether the brain is engaging, whether the brain is liking it or not, or you know, our memory is being created, or is she pulling back and saying, no, I don't like what I am seeing. So we measure things from the brain that are important for brands or products to do well in the marketplace. The first thing that we measure directly from the brain is attention. Are consumers paying attention to say the ad that they are watching? Next, we measure emotional motivation, That is, do they like what they are seeing? Are they drawn into the experience or are they saying, no, I don't find this appealing and are they pulling back? And the third thing that we measure directly from the brain is memory activation. Does the brand asset like an ad, does it strengthen memory structures of the brand or the product? Because we have to remember when us as consumers, when we watch an ad, we don't don't immediately go out and buy it. We need to, for it to strengthen our memory structure so that when we need the product that's being advertised, we should remember the brand where it's available and go out and buy it. Once we measure, what we do is then we are able to decode it using signal processing and then we give it the results.
0: So what exactly, what are the results that you get from these? Uh, the whole point of advertising is to ensure stickiness, you know, that so that the consumer remembers you and buys the product when they go out and when they need the product. How are
1: you helping achieve this? So uh, um, neuro does this in very efficient ways for clients and the reason I'm saying that is that we often see that uh, uh, ads tend there aren't there are few ads that are superlative excellent and that's how you know all my years of uh, testing ads packs etc there'll be some which are absolutely superlative there'll be some which are really at the bottom. You know, like absolutely horrible. In most of the cases, you'll find that they sit in the middle. So the middle is a broad area. It's not just one point. The middle is when it is average. And then clients don't know in the case of an ad, what should they do with this ad? You know, should they go back to the drawing board? Because they know it's an average ad. It's not a great ad. Uh, It's an average one. Uh, or if they go back to the drawing board, then they have spent time, they have spent money on this ad, and all that goes to waste. The problem comes with not knowing what to change. Then it is, you know, the ad agency, the brand uh, owner, etc. Based bases their experience, they so- sort of figure out saying, okay, maybe this isn't working, maybe that isn't working. But where Neuro really helps is to optimize whatever brand assets we are testing. So the strength of neuroscience comes in that, in being able to grow at a granular level and point out what's working and what's not working. So what are the results? As you said, the first thing that neuro gives you, like all ad testing, for example, it gives you a scorecard uh, where we have a quintile database that is right at the top is excellent, then good. So we have five uh, divisions and uh so first you know we will tell you where you are on that so let me bring it alive with uh, an ad that we tested this was in the space of fragrance so they were trying to activate the different senses through their ad touch taste smell feel all of that so uh we saw that that particular ad it didn't sit just in the average it sat one below that not at the rock, rock bottom but one above it okay So therefore, what does it mean for the brand? Do they chuck the ad, or is there anything that can be done about it? The strength of Neuro is that we don't stop just at the scorecard, because we are measuring every second. During the time the person who's watching the ad is actually seeing the ad, we are able to double click to see what happens in second one, second two, et cetera, through the length of the ad. And we saw two segments where we saw a huge dip. Okay, and there were the rest of the segments were high, but two of the problem areas is what I talk about just to bring it alive. So uh, the visual was of two people taking a surfboard over their head and they're ready to go into the water. The voiceover at that time, so the visual is of two men, muscular men, who are standing with a surfboard uh, raised above their head. Okay, and um, the voiceover at that time said, Taste. And you know, when we looked at the eye, and we could see a huge dip in emotion and all of the metrics. So, when we looked at the eye gaze, what we saw is that the eye gaze was at a sweaty patch on both of these surfers, you know, on the t shirt. So, it was just an editing misstep. It was not meant to be like that at all. The point is that when you see an ad and someone asks you later on, what did you like or not like about the ad? you will not remember this, but the brain as oh. it is processing is picking up all this, and we are able to decode it because of the eye gaze, like and the scores, of course. Uh, so that was one. The second one was a visual of very muddy feet because it was you know, near the beachside, side, and the voiceover said smell, just unfortunate. So it is things like this that we pick out in decoding an ad, which we then showed the client saying, this is why your ad is average or below average, correct A, B, C, and you will see an uplift. So this particular client, their protocol was that every ad they test with us, they also retested when they revised it, and we saw a definite uptick in the performance.
0: Okay, so when I came to this interview, I thought it is like an end process where you test the final ad before it goes to the public. But now based on what you are saying, I feel like this technique can be used in various stages, right from the marketing stage itself. Am I right? We test both. We can test finished
1: films like the one I talked about. Uh, Many clients adopt what we call the pre-testing protocol. That is, they keep an ad ready before it goes into the marketplace. It has to be tested, it has to do well. So we set parameters for performance uh, or action standards as they are called. And if they clear the action standards, they are taken as is into the marketplace. But uh, many times, as you see, it will be uh, it'll not necessarily reach those action standards. It may be just one below that, and then we help them diagnose. When we help them diagnose, they can make these changes. See, in the example that I took, it was a matter of just changing the voiceover. It is still possible. Now, to answer your question, saying that should it be much early stage? Yes. When clients adopt us as a protocol for testing, what we see is that then they decide that, Oh, let's test this at an earlier stage, at an animatic stage, and a full-fledged animatic. Think of the likes of a T- Tom and Jerry cartoon, where uh, it's all cartoon form, but there is a story, there is interaction between the characters, there is if they are speaking to each other, it is them themselves, uh, you know, saying the lines, etc. The brain processes this as well, in fact, as a finished film. And we are able to test it and give similar granular results. So if this particular example, they had come to the animatic, at the animatic stage itself, we would have been able to figure out these issues and share it with them.
0: So basically what you're trying to do is to reduce ineffective spends on ads. Am I right? Correct.
1: So ineffective is one when you see that the ad is not at its full potential. It's not, oh. say, in the topmost uh, quintile or the even the top two quintiles are fine as per neuroscience standards uh, from a brain data perspective. So it's an average app. What to do? Should I junk it or is there actually scope? So neuro helps you figure out what the issue is. And We also are able to advise because we have actual neuroscientists. These are PhD plus uh, associates who are on the rules of Nielsen IQ. They work with us and they advise the client saying, see, this is why this pullback is happening, Uh, and here's what you can do Uh, along with people like me who are from the market research side of it. Um, and We work and tell the clients and therefore, the the clients are able to optimize wastage right, rather than junk it or go ahead with a subpar ad. They're able to uh, make small tweaks, to help get a big difference. And then they're able to put it out in the marketplace.
0: So all this while we talked about how you are helping clients, how is it affecting the consumer? Firstly, does it help in increasing buying intent? We talked about how it helps in stickiness, but does it translate to uh, increased buying intent on the part of the consumer? The strength of
1: this application of Neuro is that we're looking at it not from just a data perspective, not just from responses to survey perspective. We're looking at it in terms of what is truly engaging the consumer's mind. Is she understanding what she is seeing? Does she like what she is seeing? And so on. Uh, And uh, of course, as much as I said that, oh, I measure attention, I measure emotion, I measure memory structures, et cetera. A brand buyer is finally interested in saying, okay, if I put it out into the market, will this ad that has tested so well in neuro Will it do well? So the answer to that is that while we measure attention, emotion and memory, we also derive through these metrics something called action intent. And in your words, Nevada, that's buying intent. And that is a combination of emotion and memory. And we know from our work that an ad that shows strong action intent, that is when emotion and behavior are both high for the ad, when that such an ad is put out into the marketplace it helps uplift sales so yes it does translate into actual buying behavior and we have validated this in different ways through different studies To show that when an ad has average action intent and put out into the market versus when an ad has good or strong action intent and put out into the market, then it delivers differently in terms of uptick in sales. Naturally, the strong ad is the one that delivers much better uplift in sales as a result of the campaign.
0: So Sunila, what makes this product stand out from the other surveys that you're offering?
1: So there are different types of research. In Averita, there's qualitative research, there's quantitative research. Use of neuroscience is another way of doing quantitative research. So while we go to 30 consumers, I mentioned that there are 32 sensors, you know, in on that cap, on that EEG cap. Each sensor is measuring data at the rate of 500 times a second. So imagine 30 people into 32 sensors into 500 times a second. For a 15-second ad itself, the data that we collect is in millions. So it's a quantitative approach. The the difference here is that we don't ask any questions when it comes to testing brand assets. We measure the non-conscious as well as the conscious responses, but all using EEG. That's what differentiates us. We don't use things like the other things that I mentioned, like facial coding or, you know, pupillometry or heart rate, uh, skin conductance, etc., Because our brain reacts first. Those other movements of facial muscles, etc., that happens downstream later in microseconds, but microseconds later. And we don't uh, use those techniques because we are measuring directly from the brain. Uh, We get a lot of granular response. Um, The other services that Nielsen IQ offers is more uh, in terms of our RMS service, our retail intelligence service, where we measure, you know, what is the offtake from the shops, etc. So that's a different kind of measurement. Uh, But what we are uh, talking about is consumer engagement, consumer behavior, as we look at it in terms of, uh, you know, is your brand asset good enough? Uh, Are consumers liking it? Are you distinctive? And so on. Uh, I know I, we spoke a lot about ad and pack. We can do music testing. We can do sonic, sonic, sonic acid testing. We can do product experiences. Because the variety of application is a lot, uh, it finds use with different kinds of uh, companies. For example, we have done car design testing. We have done uh, two-wheeler design testing and so on, durable design testing and so on. So the uh, variety of applications is uh, tremendous. And we are, I think I'd like to end by saying that our methods and our practices are rooted in science. Uh, And even as we evolve, that is one thing that we do not compromise on. And that's also why we have um, neuroscientists who are our colleagues who, you know, mandatorily work with us on every study.
0: When I was reading about this topic, I came across several mentions of how neuroscience was used to measure Uh, what the consumer is thinking, you know. So there was a research about the Super Bowl ad where they're tracking what the consumer is actually seeing. Do we do stuff like that here in India? And and is there a market for such a technology here in India? How big is it?
1: So uh, Super Bowl ad, yes, it has been used in the US. And, you know, in fact, some of our case studies are around that where uh, we have tested uh, ads, and then we've seen how they've done in the marketplace. And you can, and we've helped optimize. And then we've seen how they've done in the marketplace. It's done very well. We can do similar things. Say in the event of an IPL, where uh, you know before an IPL starts, a lot of brands get their ads ready, and these are high spend, high value spends. So we can help optimize. In the past, so we've been in India since 2012. I know that the subject is still niche, still quite new. So we have done it uh, in the past. uh, And um, uh, that is something that where there is a lot of potential because people are spending a lot lot on advertising uh, for those events. Um, Is there potential? Uh, So, you know, like I said, I've been in the practice since um, 2012 and we started truly with a a set of three people in Nielsen and then our business grew and uh, in India and we eventually became a a team size of 30. And the reason for that is that it's not only FMCG companies that find use, it's across, whether it's e-commerce companies, whether it is financial uh, companies, media companies, We're able to test, do different types of neuroscience-related testing for all of these companies. So, and, uh, you know, there is a leadership focus on this business as well. So, yes, there is immense potential both in India as well as globally too.
0: So, when you're making an ad, you make an ad for different mediums, right? Uh, A print ad is different from a TV ad, which is different from an internet ad. Uh, How does the medium play a role in this technology? So um, that's a great question. Broadly
1: speaking, there are two types of stimuli or ads. Uh, There is one which is dynamic. Any form of video ad, whether it comes on TV or whether it comes on digital, it's, um, you know, it is things that are talking to each other or there is movement, animation and all of that. That's called video ad. And our brain processes all this in one particular way. But when we come to static ads, which is print ads that you talked about, or banner ads, or even, say, point-of-sale materials, et cetera, that operates differently in our brain. So we have the same way of testing both, that is, the person is brought to the neuro setup, they see the print ad, or they see the video ad, by that I mean the dynamic ad, and then we measure the brain's responses. However, they're categorized separately, because I I told you, the brain perceives them separately, one is moving, one is not, Uh, and uh, therefore the benchmarking Our normative database is different for dynamic versus static stimuli. Now, the other question you asked me is that in the digital space, is it only TV ads that you test? Is it also digital ads? We are able to test both, digital ads, digital content as well. And digital is a growing medium. So we need to definitely be relevant there. And uh, we are able to advise in terms of performance, saying that, you know, is this ad good enough? At the end of the day, we have to remember one thing that while we as human beings have separated saying oh this is a banner ad this is a print ad uh, this is a tv ad etc to the brain it is a story of different forms in a video ad has a voiceover it has things which can explain there is interaction etc but it is a storyline that's coming whether you see it on tv or whether you see it in digital the print ad or the point of sale material is also a mini story in itself. It needs to be easily understood because there is no one to help explain through the text that is written there and through the placement of the elements, your static stimuli, like print ads or uh, point of sale material that also needs to quickly convey what you're trying to say. So for the brain, both of it is in stories in different formats. And hence, we're able to test both.
0: So finally, when I was sitting up on this, there were some questions on ethics and some say that neuromarketing is a way to hack the consumer's brain, you know, and, you know, make sure that they buy this product. What's your take on this?
1: First off, I'm really glad that you asked this question. I know that there are misconceptions that go around even when clients come to us. Uh, so it's really important to continuously and repeatedly assure and uh, you know address these concerns head-on. So I'd like to do that. Now, when we are doing neuro testing, uh, it is an ad or it is a pack. So it is a stimuli that is in front of us. So we're also not uh, just to give perspective, we're also able to test music, sonic assets like a jingle. We're also able to test mascot, Um, you know, and see that if is it sticking with you, your brand, or is it associated with your competition brand and so on. So these are all different stimuli that we place in front of the respondent. Rather than asking the respondent saying, do you like what this ad? Do you like this mascot? Which brand do you think it's associated with? All we're doing is using EEG and measuring it directly from the brain. And then using the results, whether it be survey or whether it be neuroscience, EEG data, we're analyzing saying, okay, this is not working. Here is why it's not working. And here's what to do about it. So in that sense, it's very similar to all market research. But because it is neuroscience, it is important. There are certain uh, guidelines and we follow this definitely for neuroscience. And I want to uh, say one thing, because I have been in this practice from the time it came into India in 2012, these have been put into place since then. Even when I was being trained, I knew all of this was in place because when clients ask questions then or now, this is how we addressed it. So the way we do neuro research, it is a standard practice for all biomedical and behavioral research. And what this really means is that there are core values that were set out by something called the World Medical Association and Declaration of Helsinki. What uh, that purports is that we are balancing the benefits of research with the rights of individuals, such as protecting vulnerable groups from harm, anonymizing results, making sure you get informed consent and the right to withdraw at any time. So if I have to translate this into how we practice it, I'm just going to outline a few points. For one, in neuro research, we only go to people who are 18 years or above. That is the age of consent. And we because we actively need to take their consent, they should be able to withdraw it as well at any time with no repercussions. So at the start of every neuro study, there is a consent form that is given. If the person can understand English, it is in English. If it is a more a regional language, it is a translated version is available. And in that consent, we outline the process we ask for their consent and they are also told in that consent form they can withdraw at any time with no problem at all. We separate personal information from the brainwave data. We never, ever analyze the brainwave data for one person. It is always for a group of people. So supposing we need to reach out to, for whatever reason, you know, women of a particular age group using a particular product, etc. Our sample size, like I mentioned, is about 30 and whenever we analyze the brainwave data, it is for this group of 30, which have been collected over the fieldwork dates. Uh, it is never for one person alone. So that's how we definitely manage uh, privacy. And also at the time when the brainwave data has been collected, we separate it from the personal information. By that we mean, you know, your name, details that we have collected about your background, etc. All that is associated with the brainwave data is the age of the person and the gender of the person. That's all. Uh, So in terms of ethics, we understand the concerns and we have made sure that we have strict guidelines and we follow these.